you can take away my my remembrance of '90s television shows card now. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 191. That's right, that's 191. We're creeping up on episode 200, the big 200. Uh, my name is Brian Perlman. I'm one of your hosts this evening. I am joined with, I'm joined by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And the one and the only Miss Brogan King. Hello, I, I am not in fact the only Brogan King, but I appreciate it. Uh, you're, you're the only one that matters to me. I I continue to appreciate it. Yes. Uh, uh, so uh, we're going to be this this week, uh, this episode, we're going to be doing our Rivals of Ixalan release notes episode. So Rivals of Ixalan is the sequel to the blockbuster runaway hit Ixalan. If you liked Ixalan, you're going to love Ixalan 2. Ixalan harder? Ixalan, Ix- son of Ixalan. Ix- <laughs> it's funny because they Ix- have the son. Ixalan 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yes. All right. Um, So Ixalan, it's got more pirates, more dinosaurs, less vehicles, um, more treasure. It's got more, 100% more chupacabras. Uh, It adds, it it has, this set is so jam-packed full of chupacabras, it doubles the total number of chupacabras in the game. But one whole additional chupacabra? Yes, it has one additional chupacabra, but there's an important distinction that this one's actually good. Uh, the, the, yeah, it's 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 a good card. It's subbing out for Necrotal in my cube. So yes, going it is, in there. It is Necrotal's like spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. As as all chupacabras hope to be, they hope to be the not suck goat, and this is not a suck card. Well, not <laughs> only do we have do we have more pirates, more dinosaurs, we also have more chupacabras. We have more treasure. Everybody loves treasure. Yar. And, yes, and it's also got more keyword. <laughs> more Singular one. One whole, <laughs> one whole additional keyword. Yes, more keyword. Uh, so, so what do we got? Uh, we have ascend, um, which I'm I'm not completely clear on the flavor behind ascend. Like you get the city's blessing. How? Like what's? What what exactly is the flavor behind ascend? I think I think it's like you're kind of you're climbing to the top of the city, and then like you're you're you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're acquiring stuff and putting it underneath right. you so you can get to the top. <laughs> and, uh, and so so well, you're telling me that this is the aggro crag. We are trying yes. to get to the top of the aggro crag. Yes, right it now. is the aggro crag. Oh. Uh, is that that's that's the thing in the Lego movie, right? That the, the, they were trying to get. Uh, no, uh, that's the craggle, which is totally the craggle. Oh, okay. Um, so the aggro craggle got it. It's uh, super so blue. The, the aggro crag is, if anybody listening doesn't know, it was basically the end boss of the game show Guts from the nineties. No, it was. It was that not Hidden Temple. Oh, was it? I thought it was Guts, but I might be mistaken. Oh, now I, I have don't to remember look it which up. one's which. Now I have to look it up. <laughs> doing the thing. They're all the same show. It's okay. Agro, I don't know what any of this is. I like that Ag- you could hear Jess frantically mashing at his keyboard trying to <laughs> yeah, I'll look cut, up. I'll cut that part out, but uh, it is, is in it, fact from Nickelodeon Guts. <laughs> Nickelodeon Guts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they used to have that segment right. that was about what? about the, uh, 
the the contestants and they called it spill your guts you can take away my my remembrance of 90s television shows card now because i i i misspoke my bad that's fine i uh that's okay i'm i'm I was really into '90s game shows, or was like Nickelodeon game shows as a kid. I don't know why. I can, I can, I can tell you're talking really fast yeah, about I'm, this thing. Yeah, I'm that and uh, Hidden Temple <laughs> and Wild and Crazy Kids. In fact, did you like Double Dare? Uh, it did, which I've gone back and watched some as an adult, and it was horrendous. It's um, really it's bad. so bad. But I loved shows like that as a kid, and uh, and yeah. So now I'm. Uh, so does that mean you're gonna love Ascend as much? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's like nice, it's like, nice try, Brian. Yeah, I tried. Basically, you get the key to the city. Okay, uh, you get the key to the city, and once you've gotten it, something everybody likes you and does more stuff for you. <laughs> you it it oh. helps you do more things. Yeah. Uh, but oh, hold in, on, hold on. So you've got the key around your neck, and you're just like walking into places. And when they try and say no, sir, you can't come in. You're just like, hey, and you just grab the key around your neck. And you just hold it in their face. Right. It opens up the. It's like I've Skyrim the- when you become the Thane. You get that extra dialogue option with the city guards where you can be like, "Do yeah. you know who I am?" <laughs> right. You basically, you basically just get to be like, "But I'm so very important. Check out me and how important I am." Right. Do you know who I am? Yeah. That's yeah. All right. So that's uh, the flavor of a set. But in, in <laughs> what, is, what does it do? But it does actual real things. I promise. Um. <laughs> So ascend can mean two very similar but slightly different things, depending on if it's on a a permanent or on an instant or sorcery. Uh, If ascend is on an instant or sorcery, it means uh, if you control 10 or more permanents and don't already have the city's blessing, you get it for the rest of the game. So it checks it when you when you cast the thing, because that's when when it's resolving. Right. Right. But you can't there's not really another time to check it if it's an instant or sorcery, because that's because it doesn't stick around. However, on a permanent, uh, any time you control ten or more permanents and don't already have the city's blessing, you get it for the rest of the game. So it will it will continue to to check to see if you have your ten or more permanents. So and then it gives me city blessing, and that means I win, right? Uh, yeah, obviously. Well, it, you, yeah, well, <laughs> you climbed the aggro crag. It's I did a thing, and it gave me a big whopping nothing. Yeah, so it's uh, it, you. You have now the quality of being ascended, which is very similar from a rules perspective to a creature being monstrous. It doesn't mean anything on its own. Uh, It's just a thing that's true. You can't become monstrous again, and you can't become ascended again. It's just now it's true. Once you have the the city's blessing, you have it, and that may impact some other cards. um, But having the city's blessing does not have any inherent rules meaning on its own um it's just like a marker or a designation or something then right yeah and and Uh, there are cards that do things they say you know as long as you have the city's blessing something is true maybe it has flying or plus one plus one or something can you can you lose it so so if you get 10 or more permanents you get city's blessings and then i i drop the the ravenous chupacabra killing one of your creatures knocking you down to nine you're no longer blessed by the city anymore you got to give back the key Uh, right no no you, you 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 have that key you earned it Right. I'm just imagining oh. I'm just imagining them walking up to Superman and being like, hey, we, <laughs> that key to the city we gave you, we need it back now. Uh, just a thing <laughs> to note, it's not uh, it's not like monarch. Like if I have the city's blessing, you you also can have it. Um, it's not like you steal it from me. There's more than one key, which I guess kind of delegitimizes it. But whatever. Well, it makes it less special. Right. 
So, so if, if I have the key and you have the key, then, uh, I really have to just like kill you right. because now there's one, there, one important we, thing to note. I, I got, the, I've got the conch. There's one important yes. thing to note, um, yes. is you can't ascend unless something tells you you can ascend, right? Having 10 permanents doesn't automatically make you ascend without like something in play that says you ascend, right? Right. Yeah, so like if I don't have a card that's with ascend, if I go up to 10 and I go back down to nine, I haven't actually ascended yet because nothing on the battlefield or on the stack said I ascend. Right. There has to be something, some ascend card that, that tells you, congratulations, you, you now have the city's blessing. Right. Um, additionally, uh, this uh, ascend isn't a trigger. It doesn't use the stack and it happens like immediately once you have the 10 permanents. Uh, like if you have a, a, a creature with ascend or uh, uh, but it happens even if you're in the middle of resolving a spell. If you if you while resolving that spell go up to ten permanents and then go back down, you you still at some point had your ten permanents. So congratulations. Nice. Um, yeah, you can't you can't respond to somebody gaining the city's blessing. You it does not use the stack. It's not a trigger. Um, additionally, if ascend is if you if you cast a spell with ascend. Um, and that gets countered, um, you don't get to ascend because that happens upon resolution of the spell. So you don't get to say, well, no, 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 it's its its own thing. Well, it's still part of the resolution of the card. Bump, bump, indeed. Yeah. Any other uh, ascend-related things we want to discuss? I don't think so. Uh, so how's it, how's, it used, how's it used on cards? Like, when we see it on a card, what's it... What's it uh... What's, how does City's Blessing and Ascend look on a card? Uh, well, I've got my this dashing pirate friend here in front of me uh, that's Stormfleet Swashbuckler that has Ascend and also says it has double strike as long as you have the City's Blessing. So it's regular old 2-2, and if you have the City's Blessing, you it can be an even fancier 2-2. Um, not like the kind you wear while you're ballet dancing, though. Um, hmm. But... Uh, Based like so, so certain triggers related to having the city's blessing are worded in different ways. Uh, so some of them will have intervening if clauses, so they will only check if you have the city's blessing, and some of them do not. So they will check regardless of if you have it or not. Um, so it's just worth checking that. Clarify that a little bit. Uh, so in city, cities, if it has an intervening if clause, it's you've got to have city's blessings before the trigger gets put on the stack. Right. Whereas if it if it doesn't have an intervening gift clause, you just have to have city blessings when it goes to resolve. Right. It won't it won't ever go on the stack if it has an intervening gift clause and you don't have the city's blessing. Right. You can't gain it in the middle. Right. Um, yeah. So there there is a distinction there. Uh, so if you're counting on f- responding to the trigger to get a to get your your city's blessing, and it has an intervening gift clause, I'm very very sorry. It will not work that um, way, unfortunately. <laughs> also, uh, we've still got our good friends Explore, Raid, and Enrage. They still do what they did before. Let's go ahead and head over to our uh, to our card-specific notes now that we've covered all of the new mechanics. Um, all one of all them. Of, all of the new mechanic, yes. Uh, uh, so our first, our first card um, is actually from something I do want to talk about is the, the Planeswalker decks. Uh, so the set obviously comes in booster packs, but you can also buy these pre-constructed Planeswalker decks, which have 
uh, Planeswalker and some other cards. Now, some of the cards uh, that you get in the Planeswalker deck are only available in the Planeswalker deck, so you will not open them in booster packs. However, they are part of the set, so they are standard legal. You can play them in tournaments. The first card we're going to talk about is one of those. It is the Planeswalker Angrath Minotaur Pirate, who is a legendary Planeswalker Angrath, which is a great name. It's just telling you who he is. Uh, and the relevant ability here, uh, the one we're going to talk about is his third ability. Uh, it's minus 11 loyalty for the ability, which is huge. Uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I want to say it's the largest, but maybe not. Karn, uh, uh, Karn, Karn. Oh, right, right, right. Karn's restart yeah. the game ability is, uh, is, is it, what is it, 14? F- 14. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that one I forgot about. Um, but still. 11 is huge. Massive. Uh, it says yep. destroy all creatures target opponent controls. Angrath Minotaur Pirate deals damage to that player equal to their total power. A few things about that. Um, it uses the power of those creatures as it last existed on the battlefield. So if a creature's power was greater or less than normal because of some temporary effect, like an until end of turn effect, that's still going to be calculated. But Angrath figures out the ability. So if a creature's power was less than zero, it will be subtracted from the total damage dealt. Uh, obviously, if the total of all creatures is less than zero, we're just going to use zero. Not not gonna go negative on damage not gonna here. gain some life right no no weird life gainy stuff uh that make angrath angry uh and wrathful. and wrathful angry and wrathful uh so if a creature would be destroyed with this ability but it isn't destroyed because let's say it's indestructible or it has regenerate or uh or has been regenerated i guess is a better way of putting that uh, or anything like that uh, it's still going to add its total power to the damage, even if it wasn't, even if it's still on the battlefield. Um, and then anything that triggers when a creature dies is going to be put on the stack after the player takes damage. So if you have a creature that says when this dies, you gain life, uh, and that life would save you from dying from Angrath, it it, it will not save you. You're you're just going to die. Uh, you've been wrathed out. By Angrath. Saddest of days. I hope I hope that soon we get like a Furnace of Angrath card. That would be sweet. <laughs> I like that. Alright, so uh, uh, I think that's all we wanted to talk about about this Angrath Planeswalker, but Brian, you want to talk about the next there one? <laughs> yeah, there's actually two Angraths. Uh, there's there's our, our Angrath the pirate the the pirate the Minotaur Pirate. Now, this Angrath is not a Minotaur Pirate. He's probably uh, still a Minotaur pirate. He's, he's captaining he's, a ship. He is. Uh, he is. He is Angrath the Flame Chained. Now, his, the, now here's the. Every time I look at this card, I kind of chuckle because his Minotaur horns. Doesn't it kind of look like in the art that one of those horns is really just a jaunty beret? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like peeking up into the text yeah. box. Yes, it's peeking up into the text box. So he's just wearing this little French beret. Once again, we've got some really great podcast humor here. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it, it, it definitely makes him less threatening. Uh, yeah. when you think of him as wearing a beret. Okay, I like that uh, a so lot. I know, I know Brogan doesn't like the like visual jokes on the podcast thing, but I have to point out these two planeswalkers, which are supposed to be the same character, have different horns, and it annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> oh, do they have different? Their horns? horns do not look oh, the same. Oh, they do. Yeah. Have that is a different horns. minotaur, sir. Maybe the hair grows out like. Maybe the horns grow out like oh, hair grows so out. So one of these is like st- styling like, them differently. It's, a, it's like a couple years ago when when yeah. Angrath. Now, now we have so we have so we have Angrath Minotaur Pirate and Angrath with the good hair. 
Yes, we have Angrath <laughs> with the good hair. Exactly. Mullet Angrath and uh, and perm. That was that was from my phase in the eighties. It was yes. It's all, it's all you know, anger in the front, wrath in the back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Angrath, Angrath, the flame chain for three black and uh, red. It's a legendary planeswalker. Angrath. He's got four loyalty. Um, the the He's got a plus one ability. Each opponent uh, discards a card and loses two life. Important thing to know is in a two-headed giant game, that's going to be uh, four life for the entire team. Second ability is a minus three. Uh, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step if it has a converted mana cost of three or less. So if it has a converted mana cost of four or more, it's not going to sacrifice. You can gain control of your own creature. So, if you have Angrath already out on the battlefield and play a, a big creature and you want to make it hasty, well, you can uh, you can do that with Angrath. Uh, you, can, you can also use this uh, to just untap it and make it a blocker. Like after you've attacked yep. with it, you could use this to untap it. Yeah, you want to do that if it's if it's uh, if it's converted mana cost <laughs> or greater. Because if you do that, if you do that oh. three or less, that's that's sad times. Um, I, I guess I. Didn't need that anyway. Yeah. Oh. And then it's minus eight is each opponent loses life equal to the number of cards in his or her graveyard. So again, two-headed giant loves anger at the flame chain. Uh, mm-hmm. The beret-wearing anger at the beret-wearing French bread-eating minotaur pirate. Um, so is the chain just a yeah. scarf? Yeah, the chain. Yeah, the, the chain scarf. scarf. So it's like a scarf Absolutely. and a beret. And, okay. Yeah. That's, that's right. Well accessorized. Um, so the last ability. <laughs> The last ability is going to cause the team to lose life each uh, equal to the t- number of cards in both graveyards. That's yeah. so good. It right. is. That is good. All right. Uh, next we have Awakened Amalgam. And I continue to not know the word for uh, what alliteration, if it's a vowel. I, there has to be a word for that. I don't know, though. Uh, I mean, I actually thought it was just alliteration. Um, I, th- I think there's a special word for it. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Awakened Amalgam. It's a four-mana artifact creature golem uh, that says Awakened Amalgam's power and toughness are each equal to the number of differently named lands you control. Uh, So that is a characteristic-defining ability, so it's got the good old star-star in its power and toughness box. Uh, That means that works in all zones, so no matter where it is, if it's in your hand, if it's in your graveyard, wherever it is, is, its power and toughness are defined by the number of differently named lands you control. That being said, uh, you, you can't use foreign named cards to, to make this really good. You can't play a planes in English, French and Japanese and, and say, no, it's three. That's three different, three different land names. No, they're all still planes. They still only count as one. Um, the, if you, find a way to some sacrifice a land at some point, like mid-combat or something like that. If you fetch, uh, be careful, um, because it will go down before it comes back up. So just just be mindful of that. Right, yeah. So if you, um, if you crack an Evolving Wilds uh, after it's got four damage on it and you've got four of the land, it's, it's dead. Right. Don't, don't um, do that. Uh... uh uh, another thing yeah, that I can come that's... up with this is um, if something, if you have an effect that makes something a different land type. So if you've got 
uh, well, a Blood Moon in play, for example, that makes all lands mountains, uh, it will not change those lands' name to mountain. Uh, They're still mountains named forest or mountains named stomping exactly, ground. Exactly. Not not forest because. Yeah, it, I, I stopped but, myself. Uh, yeah, so if you have example, perfect example of stomping ground, it's a mountain named stomping ground. So it still counts for the amalgam, even though it's a mountain, uh, which I think people may ask about or not be sure about if and when it comes up. I don't think you're going to see Awakened Amalgam seeing a lot of play in modern, but you know, just in case. Just just so you know. Uh, all right. Uh, are we ready for to, to to pass through the gate to the next card? Mm. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yes. So we have Azor's Gateway. Azor? Azor's, Azor's Gateway. Uh, it's it's the person, the sphinxy thing from Azorius. Is it the same? He's here. Is it the, it's actually the same character? Like, yep. That's intended yep. to be that way? Uh, he had... He planeswalked and like did something. I don't remember what the exact deal is. He's a planeswalker. He's there. Yeah. Well, he's not anymore. I don't think. I, th- there's a reason he's there, but it's actually him, and he's actually oh, is there. He just like, and he's got. He, a, did he get the Jace treatment? He's just exiled on Exilon for no apparent reason. I think there's a reason, but yes. He's fancy. <laughs> he's got Sphinx's revelation stapled stapled on his. Card. Or did they give? Right. Did they give him the like? Let's make a legendary creature by stapling a good spell to a creature treatment. Well, Basically. he's a sphinx. Yeah, all right. Um, anyway. So, Azor's Gateway costs two. It is a legendary artifact, so you can't have more than one out at a time. Uh, you can pay one and tap it to draw a card, then exile a card from your hand. If cards with five or more different converted mana costs are exiled with Azor's Gateway, you gain five life, untap Azor's Gateway, and transform it. Okay, so a few things about this. When you, you draw a card before you exile, first of all, so you're never going to be in a situation where you can't exile a card uh, unless you've got some weird stuff going on and you can't draw either. Um, so, or the draws replaced. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you draw a card and then you exile a card. It's exiled face up, so everybody gets to see it. Uh, and we care about converted mana costs of these cards. So a couple things about that. If there's an X in the converted mana cost of the card, that X is going to be zero. Uh, if the exiled card is a split card the converted mana cost is going to be the combined total of the two and uh if you go wait that doesn't sound right uh that was a rules change a while back uh it's a i, th- I think everybody pretty much knows about this at this point but just in case i'm going to bring it up that was a rules change uh the last time we had split cards printed uh that they they changed that and and so the converted mana cost is just both of them combined um, let's see. If you exile something that doesn't have a mana cost, such as a land, uh, it's treated as zero and it counts as zero toward your total count of, um, different converted mana costs. Now I'm wondering, it's very interesting that it says five or more. I don't know how you get to more with this card. Um, is there a way to transform just, it just back? Like a, is, is just future proof proof? Maybe future proof. Yeah, future proof. If anything is ever printed that turns a double face card back. Um, actually, you could do it. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely do it. If you somehow turn the land into a creature that is also a human, and then you cast uh, the spell from Innistrad that transforms humans. Uh, oh my goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> yeah, Moon yes. Mist? Or is it werewolves? I can't remember. It, it, it transforms werewolves, sorry. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we got there. We got there. We did it. Uh, so we just need to turn our our Sanctum of the Sun into a werewolf? Yes, yes. And the sec- now on the other side, it has a mana ability. Uh, it's a legendary land called Sanctum of the Sun. It has a mana ability. It says tap this, 
add X mana of any one color to your mana pool where X is your life total. Um, so you can't respond to that. You can't, when somebody activates it, you can't go in response, I'll shock you. So you have two less mana. Uh, they, it's a mana ability, just like any of the land, they tap it, they get the mana. It's too late. We're done. They already, they already did it. Uh, they done, did, done it. did it. Uh, and I think that's it. That's, that's all we can talk about about this card other than, uh, other than the story stuff we mentioned earlier, which I, I didn't even know about before we did this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that you're that the sanctum of the sun is the aggro crag here, yeah. It's the aggro crag. It kind of it, it kind of looks like the trophy, uh, the like the, yeah. the like guts trophy with like the green glowy rock you could get. Yeah, yes. it does look like the aggro crag. Oh man, now I want to make one of those trophies <laughs> just, just to, to have. have. Yeah, it's going on my shelf next to the portal gun. All right, I'm going to yeah. bind bind your oh. aggro crag away. Oh. All right, the next card is. Bishop of Binding. Uh, this Bishop of Binding is three and a white for a vampire cleric. That is a 1-1. Uh, when Bishop of Binding enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Bishop of Binding leaves the battlefield. So that's the first of two abilities. So let's talk about that one for a second. Um, if Bishop of Binding leaves the battlefield before that trigger resolves... That target creature, the target creature that you are trying to exile, is never going to get exiled. It's going to stay exactly where it is. Uh, so it's going to be like a, a transporter malfunction from Star Trek, where the little beams, just... the little the little glowy things start to happen, and then uh, transporter lock is lost, and you just you just reappear right where you are. Uh, if the safeties are in place, anywhere. sometimes people die from well, that stuff. Well, we're 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 in happy Star Trek land as opposed to. You know, bad, bad plot inducing. You know, we have a character that we need to get rid of and feel bad about Star Trek land. Um, let's see here. Uh, when that creature gets exiled, uh, so any auras uh, that are on the exiled creature are going to stay on the battlefield very, very briefly before they're put into the graveyard. Uh, point is, they don't go with the uh, with your with your duder. Uh, however, equipment is going to become unattached and stick around for you to use. Uh, tokens that get exiled this way are going to cease to exist. They're going to go poof. Um, now, the second ability says whenever Bishop of Binding attacks, target vampire gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the power of the exiled card. Uh, so this is what's this is what's called a linked ability. This ability is linked to the uh, to the first one. It's looking at it can see the card that was exiled this way, and it's gonna when the, it goes to resolve, it's gonna look at X. Uh, if no creature is exiled uh, with it, meaning you either didn't have the ability or you exiled a token, X is going to be zero. If you exiled a Hydra that was a zero zero and only had, you know, was only big because of plus one plus one counters and stuff, uh, it's still going to be zero. And here's a, a weird note. Um, if, a, if a vehicle is exiled with Bishop of Binding, all zero vehicles in the set, but if a vehicle is... <laughs> is exiled with the Bishop of Binding, you're going to use the printed power on the card itself to determine X. And we, we actually got into kind of an argument about this uh, before this episode. A, a discussion. Uh, yeah, a discussion. It was, it was a, <laughs> a conversation. It was a discussion on which we fell on opposite sides uh, where where Brian felt like this might be uh, you know a cha- an upcoming change to rules. And I thought, no, I think this works with the rules. And we looked it up and it turns out that it's a little bit ambiguous. The, the rules talk about uh, uh, power not being used on a vehicle except when it's a creature, but mm-hmm. um, other rules and the way that's worded to me implies that that's 
that's only when it's on the battlefield. But it is unclear. It doesn't specifically state that. So this might be a change to, to rules. Maybe we'll yeah. see something clarifying come out. Uh, but right. according to the release notes, that's how it will work. Um, there's a small chance that that's a mistake, and they might tell us that later. So uh, you know, if, if they if they announce that, we'll post it on Twitter. But otherwise, uh, that's where we're at. The next card uh, is Blood Sun. Brogan, do you want to talk about Blood Sun? So uh, we have our new friend here. Uh, definitely not Blood Moon, also known as Blood Sun. Uh, they are not the same card. Yeah, uh, slightly they are- worse than a Capri Sun, or better, depending. Ooh. <laughs> can, you, can you find the place for the straw? That's the important. Can you well, like, get yeah, it in there? It's it's that circle thing on the art is yeah, but exactly it never works. That's, that's where like the, straw goes. the straw goes. That's where the straw is. Never works. Uh, but for real, this card is not Blood Moon. Uh, it they are both three mana red enchantments that affect your lands, but they're not the same card. They don't do the same things. Uh, Blood Sun says when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Also, all lands lose all abilities except mana abilities. Uh, for reference, mana abilities, uh, they make mana. Uh, in general, mana abilities are any activated abilities that produce mana or any triggered abilities triggered from making from an activated mana ability um, and are not Planeswalker loyalty abilities, though uh, I don't know of any land Planeswalkers here yet yet yeah there might be some sort of dryad planeswalker right. thing I'm that'd sure be cool that, i'm sure some players will take that as a challenge you could make it happen though right like <laughs> i could you, turn it if yeah. you're really land dedicated sometimes. you can find a way to turn your planeswalker into a land and then, and then play blood sun yeah and have no abilities on your planeswalker and then you just question why yeah. yay you did a thing you did it I'm so shuffle proud. Up, shuffle up for next game because you just lost. All right. That being said, <laughs> uh, things that are impacted uh, by Blood Sun. Uh, if a land has a trigger uh, when it when it enters the battlefield, uh, you don't get that trigger. If the if the land has uh, enters the battlefield tapped or has another thing that impacts uh, like as it enters the battlefield, uh, that ability doesn't happen because because that's an ability. Uh, trigger, also, the triggered 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 abilities are our abilities. Um, and on the other hand, if a land gains an ability after Blood Sun is already on the battlefield, uh, it does get to keep that ability. Like the what's new that? one. Uh, help me out. Uh, the black enchantment uh, that goes on a land. Underworld connections. Yeah. So that so. that would be an example of a land gaining an ability after Blood Sun's in, on the battlefield. Yeah. If I play Underworld connections on my land. After I already have my blood sun, I still get to have a Phyrexian arena on my land. So, so blood sun, what it, uh, effectively what it does is is uh, your your fetch lands don't do anything, right? Yeah. Uh, your your shock lands uh, become dual lands, yep, uh, which is which right. is pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Um, and your dryad arbor is just a dryad arbor, and it, like is exactly the same as it was previously. <laughs> Right, your dryad arbor is just a dryad, right? Uh, some things like uh, Cavern of Souls, which has a uh, as Caverns of Souls enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Uh, if Blood Sun is on the battlefield, uh, you're not going to be choosing a creature type. So one of the neat things is, uh, so it has that ability that says tap add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this only to cast creature spells of the chosen type. Well, you didn't choose a type, 
So, so I can generate some colored mana and do nothing with it. Do nothing with it, or you could just tap it for the colorless mana because that has that has no no such restriction. Because it, it lets me actually do things. Right. Uh, something that would be really really cool um, is the the Ravnica bounce lands or the Karoos or whatever they're called, where they oh. you, you can tap them for two mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they come into play, they have, they make you bounce a land. Well, but I don't with, have to do it. Not with Capri Sun. Goodness gracious! I like I like Capri Sun much better than Blood Sun. Yes. Uh, but but yeah, in general, this 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 enchantment does not do the same things as Blood Moon. It feels sort of like Blood Moon, but it's really it's not the same card. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that uh, I think it's this one's actually a lot more straightforward. Uh, overall, I, th- I think it's going to be a lot easier for people to understand. Yeah. Um, uh, I, th- I think there just might be people that think, "Oh, it's they." they, it's, they it's, Brian was saying earlier before the show, people might just in their head shorthand this to think, "Oh, it's just like Blood Moon," when it's not. Uh, so that's why we're kind of driving that point home. Um, but uh, is there is there another thing about this we wanted to bring up? It has a lot of weird interactions with lands, but I, I don't think we want to go into all of them here. Uh, it doesn't change types or anything, so you don't have to oh, yeah. worry about that. Yeah, it doesn't change anything's type, uh, which is why a Dryad Arbor stays the same, because it's still a creature. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, otherwise, it's, I think it's pretty straightforward. All right, so, <laughs> so moving on um, to the next card we're going to talk about, we have Crafty Cut Purse. More alliteration. <laughs> and he's upside down holding a biscuit. I, I don't think that's a biscuit. It's a pancake. I think it's yeah, a stroopwafel. It's definitely a stroopwafel. Dang it, Jess, you beat me to the stroopwafel. All right, yeah. Well, if there's All something right. that you're going to steal, stroopwafels are worth stealing. Uh, I mean, he did steal a stroopwafel in the art, so I feel like that's appropriate here. Exactly. Um, so uh, Crafty Cut Purse costs four mana. It has flash. It is a 2-2. And when Crafty Cut Purse enters the battlefield, each token that would be created under an opponent's control this turn is created under your control instead. Um, now, uh, this is this is the the second replacement effect in the game that I'm aware of that that affects uh, things uh, the control of things coming into play. The first one is Gather Specimens, and um, when you're applying replacement effects, which this is, this is a replacement effect. When you're applying replacement effects for things entering the battlefield, if you have more than one replacement effect that would be applied, you can only apply one of those. And uh, and so before we look at anything else, we see if it has any self-replacement effects, which most tokens will not. Uh, in fact, I don't think any tokens will. Um, if those don't exist, uh, then you have crafty cut purses, replacement effect which changes control and then once that has been applied then we look to see if there are more applied so when i say you can only choose one Mm -hmm. after you have applied it then you need to look at the game and see if there are any more that need to be chosen uh so so it's not like layers where there's a bunch of effects and we stack them in order um you actually you 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 apply one if there needs to be a choice made you choose one of them and then after you apply it, you look again to see if there are new ones that need to be applied. You you check them uh, as you yeah. do them. Yeah. Yeah. So in this, so the first thing you look at is for self replacement effects. Then you check for the crafty cut purse one, uh, replacement effect to change control, and then you uh, check for replacement effects that cause something to be a copy of something. Like, uh, uh, and like, that, like where that where that might be relevant is uh, 
well, any clone effect, but also essence. Well, I was, no, I was going to say, uh, embalm. There's that, uh, there's that embalm creature that, uh, comes into play as a copy of things. Vizier of many faces. Yeah. The Vizier mm-hmm. of many faces. Mm-hmm. So if someone, if someone doesn't embalm on that, uh, you would, you would crafty cut purse, you would get the token and you would get the replacement effect that causes it to become the, the, the copy of something else. Neat. Right. Yeah. You would get to, you would get to choose more importantly. Uh, the, if the opponent's like, oh, I'm going to crafty cut purse, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to embalm, is it embalm or eternalize for that one? I'm going to embalm uh, Vizier of Many Faces, and I'll choose your Snapcaster Mage. And you go, no, uh, I'm going to crafty cut purse. Then you will get to choose what it comes into play copying. And I think that's actually a really relevant example, thank you, Brian, of how this how this could work. Um, mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's really good for that. Let's see here. Uh, if something, if a token would be put into play in a way that it can't be. So, for example, if your opponent has an effect that puts something into play tapped and attacking, and you cast Crafty Cut Purse, well, it can't be attacking uh, if it's if not your you're turn. the defending player, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, says, so if says it, who? It's tapped uh, attacking. I know. This is the rule. <laughs> Says the game of magic. I'm gonna have to double check because I'm not 100 sure there is a rule, but I'm just gonna go with it. Um, yeah, this this is this is this is setting off my wait. Is there really a rule for this alarm in my head? But, but I'll check later. Um, so, but it is still tapped. Yeah, it's it's still tapped, uh, and it's under your control. Uh, so, if there is some kind of ability that is created by the effect that creates the token. Uh, so, for example, a Geist of St. Traft puts an angel token into play, uh, tapped and attacking, uh, and it gets exiled at the end of turn. Now, that exiled at the end of turn, or uh, end of uh, combat effect, is a, uh, it's a delayed triggered ability. Uh, the controller of that ability is still the controller of the Geist of St. Traft, because it was set up by the Geist ability. It's not part of the token. Um, so it does so still it's, happen. It's, it still happens, uh, and it's you know, more importantly, uh, your opponent controls it. And this is why that's important. Because instead of Geist of St. Traff, let's say it's a Kiki-Jiki, which requires you to sacrifice the token at the end mm-hmm. of the turn. Well, your opponent can't sacrifice your permanence. That is against the rules of magic. So it would trigger and then do nothing, because your opponent cannot sacrifice that permanent. That's uh, neat. If the ability that, grants the, or that creates the token grants any kind of triggered ability to the token itself... Whoever controls the token at the time that the uh, the trigger triggers controls it. Um, now, here is an interesting question. So, uh, let's say both you, Brian, you and I are playing a two-player game of Magic. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're both playing blue. And you do something that's going to put a, a token into play. So, I cast a Crafty Cut Purse. Mm-hmm. And then you cast a Crafty Cut Purse. Well, yes. What happens? Well, uh, so what's going to happen is, so I've got a token that's coming into play. Uh, my Stroopwafel token is <laughs> going to uh, going to enter the battlefield. We've got two uh, uh, replacement effects. Now, the the first replacement effect, Jess's Jess's replacement effect, is going to say, "Hey, uh, if a, if a token would be created under uh, would be created under an opponent's control, it gets created under your control instead." My crafty cut purse's replacement effect isn't relevant because a token's not coming into play under an opponent's control right now. So we're going to look and we're going to apply that replacement effect. So my Stroopwafel token is now 
coming under, uh, is now being created under Jess's control because of his crafty cut purse. But before it does, suddenly <laughs> my replacement effect is suddenly relevant now because it's because there is a token that's being created under an opponent's control. Uh-huh. Jess. So I get to yoink my Stroopwafel token back. So, so why don't I then look at it and say, oh, but you're going to you're going to get a token now and I have a replacement effect for that. Why don't we have an infinite loop here? Well, the reason why we don't have an infinite loop now is because I've eaten the Stroopwafel token and there's no more token to enter the battlefield. No, actually, uh, what <laughs> happens is, is so each replacement effect only gets up gets to be applied once. So Jess already used his replacement effect up. And then I use my replacement effect up, and then suddenly we're uh, someone plays like an un- before that happens. Somebody plays an unstable card, and we we're now playing with three players. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll bring milkshake in for mm-hmm. this, uh, and uh, and and she plays a uh, uh, a crafty cut purse as well. Uh, then it then it gets it. Uh, we would it have, gets really interesting. It does, here. Get, it does get really, yeah. really interesting. What what will happen is the person that is going to get the token, they're the affected player. They're going to get to decide which of those replacement effects get applied. And I probably should have thought that example out better. I just wanted to get a milkshake shout out in. Yeah, uh, I was so over here like, why, why don't I get to play magic, man? <laughs> um, well, anyway, in our in our, in our two headed giant uh, episode, we used uh, uh, CJ's cats. As a uh, as two-headed giant, the two-headed uh, giant partners. Yes, and as as a as an aside, uh, earlier this week, uh, um, one of one of the two-headed giant partners passed. So yeah, sad day. Homage to homage to uh, to milkshake. So Ted Man's chest is uh, one in a black uh, for an enchantment aura that says enchant creature and opponent controls. When enchanted creature dies, exile cards equal to its power from the top of its owner's library. You may cast non-land cards from among them as long as uh, as long as they remain exiled. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those spells. So, um, if you can, if if you cast this on your opponent's creature and you somehow then gain control of that creature, well, the, this enchantment is going to fall off because you're no longer it's no longer enchanting your creature and opponent controls. Um, if the creature and the enchantment are both put into the graveyard at the same time, uh, Dead Man's Chest will still trigger. Um, you're going to use the enchanted creature's last known information to determine the power. Um, so you're going to look at it uh, as it last was on the battlefield. Um, the second the, the second ability, that, that big long one about being able to cast non-land cards, uh, it doesn't change the timing of when you can cast the spells. So sorcery still follows sorcery rules. Creatures still follow rules for casting creatures. Instance, uh, you can cast whenever you can cast an instant. Um, the owner is whoever started. So it says, uh, it says, when the enchanted creature dies, exile cards uh, equal to the uh, equal to its power from the top of its owner's library. Owner is who started the game with the cards in their deck. So if your creature, you're the owner, you play a creature, it gets stolen, then you decide to enchant it with Dead Man's Chest, and then that creature dies, well, you're the owner. So the cards from the top of your library are going to get exiled. Uh, I think this card is neat. It is kind of neat. Yeah, I, I, I had to read this several times to understand what it actually did, even though it, it is generally pretty straightforward. Yes. I'm a little sad this doesn't make treasure. Yeah, yeah. From a flavor standpoint. But otherwise, I like this card. But otherwise. 
Um, all right. We can, are, have we, is, is the man dead? Are we done talking about it? The man is dead. We killed the yes. man. All right. Uh, we got it we got off his a, chest. A, uh, next is a card that I think has really pretty art. Uh, it is Elenda, the Dusk Rose. Is that how you pronounce that? That's how I'm going to pronounce that. I like it. Yes. Uh, it's a legendary creature vampire knight, uh, for two white black. It is a one, one, uh, with lifelink and whenever another creature dies put a plus one plus one counter on elenda the dusk rose and oh i like that it just says when elenda dies like it's not going to tell you her whole name uh create x one one white vampire creature tokens with lifelink where x is elenda's power uh i like that they just they don't have to say her whole name um Mm -hmm. the the only note on this card is not not too complicated uh if you're playing commander uh, if you put her in your command zone, she didn't die. So she's not the broken commander card you may want her to be. She's still all right, though. Yeah, like, there are enough good. ways to reanimate creatures in commander that I, th- I think this will be right. fine. Right. But yeah, I think I think her art's sweet. I think she's a, a neatly designed card. Uh, I think she definitely has a home in, in somebody's commander deck. All right. You know who has a home in somebody's commander deck? Who, Jess? Itali Primal Storm, who is legendary creature Elder Dinosaur. So Elder. now you can play Elder Dinosaur Highlander. Elder Dinosaur Highlander. Oh wow! Isn't everything oh. I play when I play it is Elder Dinosaur Highlander? Yeah, this card is just Beepril. Th- yeah. This is the Beepril Invitational card, the Elder Dinosaur. <laughs> Everyone's just making the Brian Invitational cards now. Yeah, yes. it's uh, uh, <laughs> this is what happens when you walk the dinosaur too hard. Um. So actually, that's that's the next card. Um, so uh, Itali Primal Storm. It costs four red. Red. It is a six six creature. Uh, whenever Itali Primal Storm attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. Then you may cast any number of non land cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. Uh, as always, if you're casting a spell with X in its cost without paying its mana cost, uh, the X will be zero if it's not somehow otherwise determined on the card. Uh, and when you're casting the card this way, it's done with the resolution with the resolution of the ability, so you can't just wait. You don't get to bank those cards and cast them later. Uh, and that also means that you can ignore timing restrictions. So you, you can cast sorceries, um, you can cast creatures, even if it wouldn't be a time you could normally cast creatures, etc. Uh, if you cast more than one spell, you get to choose the order that you're casting them in. You cannot pay uh, alternate costs. Uh, however, you can choose to pay additional costs if uh, if a card requires or if a card would would want an additional cost. You can you can pay that. Uh, that also means you have to pay additional costs for things like fling. If you're casting a fling, uh, you still have of, to sacrifice a thing. Right. If you're casting a fling off a tali and a tali is the only car- creature you have, you have to sacrifice a tali to do it. Um, if you cast a creature with haste, uh, it will not be able to attack in this combat step because we've already declared attackers in this combat step. I know this because the trigger condition requires a tally <laughs> to attack. Um, and anything you don't cast will stay in exile. The opponent does not get them back, it just stays in exile. And again, you cannot cast those later, even if a tally ta- uh, attacks and triggers this again next turn. Right, unless the, um, these cards that, that exile and then cast things, unless they specify otherwise on timing, you have to cast them at the time when when it, the ability would trigger. Also, because it says cast, 
Uh, you can't play lands because you play lands. You do not cast them. Right. Right, right. All right. right. So what's next? Yeah. So uh, uh, open the door, get on the floor. Everybody form the dinosaur. Uh, so the next card is form of the dinosaur. Does it activate our wonder twin powers? <laughs> form of the dinosaur. Yes. This, uh, go on. I was going to say that the art in this card, I'm pretty sure he's wearing cardboard carapace. Like, the armor from the unglued card, cardboard carapace. Uh, <laughs> He's just wearing armor made of magic cards here. Yeah. So, so there is a uh, another card called Form of the Dragon. Uh, Form of the Dragon was busted. This yeah. is not that busted. Right, right. Form of the Dragon is kind of cool because you got to be a dragon. That was the flavor of the card. It did lots of neat things. This is Form of the Dinosaurs. You get to be a dinosaur, sort of. Um, <laughs> dinosaur of. Dinosaur of. Yes, form of the dinosaur. That's the new name of this card. Yeah, form, <laughs> form of the dinosaur. Uh, so it is a red enchantment for four red red. Uh, when form of the dinosaur enters the battlefield, your life total becomes 15. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, form of the dinosaur deals 15 damage to target creature and opponent controls. And that creature deals damage equal to its power to you. At um, the beginning of your upkeep, upkeep just face tank something. That's what that's what's happening. Yeah, b- basically, <laughs> basically, uh, you just face kill. punch it. Um, so this is again with we, we we say this frequently, but any of these cards that cause your life total to go to a specific amount that set it to a specific value causes you to either lose or gain the requisite amount of life. So things that trigger off of life gain are going to trigger. If your life total can't change, uh, it's, it's not going to, if you can't gain life, it's not going to go up to 15. Um, the neither ability on this card is optional. You cannot choose to not have your life total (laughs) go to 15. You can't say, no, thank you. I'm at 20 and would like to stay at 20. (laughs) It's going to 15. Additionally, you, if your opponent has a creature, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Uh, what do you call it? Face plant it. Face tag it. Face tank. You're gonna have to face tank it. <laughs> face. I. What was the second thing you said? You said. He, 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 I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back face, and listen. To face plant it. Yes. Face plant. Face palm. I don't know. Whatever. Now, you know, one thing that makes me sad though is I think Form of the Dragon. If I remember correctly, it reset your life total it every did. turn, and this does not. No. Uh, However, in the case of both of these cards, what's interesting is there are a lot of flavor violations with cards like this. So stuff won't matter. Like if your opponent's creature has death touch, it's not going to kill you because you're a dinosaur, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. There's a lot of stuff. Your opponent cannot doom blade you. (laughs) Yeah, you're only a dinosaur. Right, exactly. Uh, so that that's going to come up, though. People will ask that question, and they might be asking in jest, but they might be asking seriously, and the answer is no. Even though it makes you a dinosaur, effectively, you are not actually a creature. Uh, also, in a, in a two-headed giant game, um, you're even more a dinosaur um, because your, your opponent's not a dinosaur, um, but your combined life total is going to become 15. Oh man, I just I I just want to put this in my deck and just look at my teammate and say like sorry. Man, <laughs> like the more I look at this, the worse it seems compared to Form of the Dragon. Oh yeah, I don't think this card is good. Well, Form, Form of the Dragon, your life total became five, so it was actually yes, but it became five every turn, and you couldn't be attacked by creatures without flying. Yeah, yeah. Hey man, sometimes you just really gotta kill like two or three creatures, and you don't really and, care. But... And it dealt five damage to your opponent. It it was in a like it was in. A good extended deck. 
Did it deal? Did it let you do to your opponent, or was it just yeah? Other it creatures? Did, every turn it dealt five damage to your opponent. It didn't interact with creatures. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Creature, creature uh, to target creature or player, so it could hit creatures. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it's even better than that. Yeah. There's also a form of the squirrel. Uh, from oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. All right. Um, are we are we done being dinosaurta and can be a for realsies dinosaur? We can we can be a for realsies dinosaur if you want to. I, I okay. I, right, I accept. Uh, so we've got this imperial ceratops. It's just a ceratops. It's not a triceratops. Uh, it's yeah. three five. It costs four and white. It has, it's a dinosaur. Again, it's a for realsies dinosaur, uh, and it has uh, enrage. Uh, when whenever Imperial Ceratops is dealt damage, you gain two life. Uh, this is not lifelink. Uh, this is a trigger. So if I die in combat, this this trigger will not save me. I am I still get dead. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it does it doesn't happen at the same yeah. time as combat damage like lifelink does. Right. Y- you still have to wait right. for the trigger to resolve. You still get dead. Yep. Don't forget that. Please don't. Have, don't. don't have a moment of amnesia. Hey. <laughs> All right, the next card I'm going to talk about is uh, one called Induced Amnesia. Um, so, Induced Amnesia is an enchantment. costs two and a blue. When Induced Amnesia enters the battlefield, target player exiles all cards from his or her hand face down, then draws that many cards. When Induced Amnesia is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return the exiled cards to their owner's hand. Now, interestingly, this doesn't do anything to the cards that are in their hand with the second ability. All right, so the cards are exiled face down. Nobody gets to look at them. Uh, that it doesn't allow doesn't allow players to look at it. Um, if uh, induced amnesia leaves the battlefield in a way that is not going to the graveyard, you will not return those exiled cards to the hand. So if I return it to my hand with uh, an effect, uh, is it Aether Tradewinds that does? No, that's only creatures. Um, if I use an effect to return it to my hand, if you bounce those, a permanent somehow, yeah, those cards are just gone. Uh, if I exile it somehow those cards are just gone etc uh now this is two triggered abilities it's not a duration effect uh it's just two triggered abilities the oblivion ring trick can uh can kind of sort of work here um that is to say if i if this enters the battlefield with the first triggered ability on the stack i can exile it return i'm sorry i can not do those things uh, when it, I can sacrifice it and have it put to the graveyard from the battlefield. The second triggered ability goes on the stack. Uh, the second triggered ability returns the exiled cards. The first one exiles them, and then they draw cards, and then those cards will stay exiled forever. So there's a whole lot of options to have their cards exiled forever, but there is no option that prevents them from then drawing that many cards again. I think this card is neat. This card is is, is pretty sweet. Uh, I, I'm wondering if there's a way to break it, like... Uh, it says target player, so like I can target myself with this card. I think that might be the best way to play this. Um, it just yeah. lets you it lets you wheel your hand, and uh, and if you have a way to get rid of it, you can get those cards back. And that seems really sick. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think this card's yeah, going to be good. I think I think there are there are going to be fun ways to to fun things to do with this card. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what they are. Yeah, this feels like a much better version of of Kulfner's plans from Lorwyn, which I tried to break many times and it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what's next? Uh, the next card is Kumena, Kumena, uh, the Tyrant of Orazka. 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 I don't know, I'm guessing. It is a, it is one green blue for a 2-4 legendary creature, Merfolk Shaman. 
I think this one might be the Bergen Invitational card. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty sick. Tap another untapped merfolk you control. Kumena, uh, Tyrant of Orozka, can't be blocked this turn. Uh, you can also tap three untapped merfolk you control to draw a card. You may also tap uh, five untapped merfolk you control to put a plus one, plus one counter on each merfolk you control. Uh, so uh, the first note is um, uh, Kumena can tap uh, the second or third ability the turn uh, that that it comes into play uh, because it does not have none of its abilities have a tap symbol on it. So it is not affected by summoning sickness. The first ability, however, says you have to tap another merfolk you control. Mm-hmm. And then but that it, merfolk could just have come into play. That merfolk right. could have just come into play also. Um, right. Also, as as none of these... Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, sorry. Activating the first ability... Uh, okay, so if you attack with Kumena and your opponent blocks, you can't then say, well, now I'm going to tap another merfolk and now he, he can't be blocked. No, no, no. He's already been blocked. It doesn't suddenly make, make him unblocked. It doesn't unblock. Right, so you need to make the decision to make uh, Kumena unblockable before the opponent declares blockers. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that I, card is yeah, sweet. I don't got nothing else to harp on about this card. Yeah, this card is this card is very good. It's I think what Merfolk needs in the set is these this kind of card. This Merfolk and, Lord thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just mean it for limited, like... Yeah. Uh, Merfolk is it can already be good, uh, and this this drives it further into that like you've got to drive this tribe hard and limited, and, and I think this card uh, is versatile if you're playing a good Merfolk deck in, in draft. I think this card is going to be super fun. I'm going to play it in every deck. Yeah, every deck. Uh, have you looked <laughs> at is, any of the this is elves with Kumena Tyrant of Araska? <laughs> have, Don't ask have why. You looked at any of the decks <laughs> that I play? I think I think I can make it work. Uh, Fair enough. All right, so Brian said he wasn't going to harp on this card. I, I like what you did there, Brian. Uh, our next card is Mausoleum Harpy. Uh, hmm. It is a 3-3 uh, Harpy for four and black. It has flying because it's a harpy. Uh, it has ascend, again, so if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. And whenever another creature you control dies, if you have the city's blessing, put a 1-1 counter on Mausoleum Harpy. Um... So it the if if another creature dies at the same time that Mausoleum Harpy would, uh, the ability will still trigger, um, but it's not going to get a counter even if that counter would have saved the Harpy because the the dying has already happened or is happening. So you can't you can't save it now. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's uh, that question might come up occasionally. Like, hey, this would. Shouldn't this not die? And, and right, because if, it's I, if I'm putting this counter on it, my trigger happens. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like that one's reasonably intuitive, but I can definitely see someone being like, "No, but this, this, this saves my harpy, right?" <laughs> um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it does not. Are we ready uh, to play some more elder dinosaur? Oh man, I'm excited that I got another elder, elder dinosaur here. Uh, this one is this one is the spiritual successor to colossal whale. Um, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Nezahal Primal Tide. It costs five blue-blue. It is a legendary creature elder dinosaur. And it looks a whole lot like a plesiosaur for those that care. It does. Uh, <laughs> I care. It totally and, does. And uh, it's a 7-7, seven, seven, not a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, it says you have no maximum hand size. It also says it can't be countered. It also says whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card. 
and then it has the ability discard three cards, exile Neza Hall, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, this card actually seems like a really sweet control card. Yeah, I think this is a blue Probably fan. for constructed. Yeah. This reminds me of, uh, what was the, uh, there was one from a few standards ago that, that you could just bounce back and forth forever. And, Etherling? And, uh, no, no, not it's the big blue. Um, <laughs> it's from Theros block, was it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a big blue like serpent or something. Anyway, oh, uh, yeah, this yeah. card, this card is going to be sweet. Um, so the hand size is checked during cleanup uh, for the purposes of of when you have to discard. Uh, so what this means is that if you use the last ability sometime before the end step, it's going to come back during your end step, so it'll be there for cleanup. However, uh, if you use this ability during the end step to, to exile Nezahal, and you have more than seven cards in your hand, you will have a maximum hand size during the cleanup step because it won't come back until the beginning of the next end step during the next turn. Uh, so you have to be careful about that. And I think a lot of people are going to get uh, unexpectedly blown out a little bit when they have to discard a few cards. But if you're discarding down to seven in a control deck after discarding three cards to exile it, you're, you're probably, probably f- doing all right. Yeah, you're probably fine. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the trigger to draw a card uh, resolves before the non-creature spell does, which is really sweet, again, for control decks, because that means I get to draw my cards, see if I get a counterspell before I get to uh, before I get to decide whether or not it resolves. Mm-hmm. Seems good. Card seems sweet. I like it. So this card is cool. We've got Polyraptor. It's so many raptors. It's multiple raptors. Uh, it is uh, It's a dinosaur. It's 5-5 uh, five, five for 6 green-green, which seems like a lot. Uh, except it has enraged. Uh, when it is dealt damage, create a token that's a copy of Polyraptor. This is just a really expensive Grim Patron. It is a really expensive Grim Patron. Uh, for reference, there's a card in Hearthstone that does a similar okay, Exactly this. It has enraged like, make a copy of itself. I was like, I don't... I don't. I don't know what that card is. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's another card that when it takes damage and survives, uh, you get a copy of it. Except in this case, it doesn't have to live. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. So if my oh yeah, that's going to come up a lot. Yeah, yeah. So even even if it dies uh, to the damage, I still get my token. Yeah, people yeah. are going to try and like respond to the damage by killing it, and that's oh, just not yeah. going to work. Uh, yeah. f- also, my token that it creates also has this ability, so I get to have a lot of dinosaurs. Yeah. Man, this seems like it works really well with Path of Metal. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, and and, uh, <laughs> and other things that uh, you know deal one damage to that, stuff, that which deal there one is a damage lot of to something. Yep, yep, yep. Oh yeah, that card is cool. All right. Uh, next, we have Protean Rider. Which uh, is a is shapeshifter it, Is it Protean pirate. or Protean? I thought it was Protean, but it might be Protean. How do you say Protean Hulk? Protean Hulk? I say Protean Hulk, but oh. but I could be wrong. All right, well, it's uh, a raider. That's what we know. It's a raider. A raider. Yeah, I said raider. That's wrong. Um, <laughs> it's Protean slash Protean raider. Uh it is a shapeshifter pirate. It costs one blue red. It's a two two. It has raid. If you attacked with a creature this turn, you may have uh, Protean Raider enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield. So it's either a two two or a clone, depending on whether or not you have attacked this turn. Um, 
So this gets really interesting with our our uh, Stroopwafel Stealer guy. Um, <laughs> our Stroopwafel Stealer. Yeah, because uh, so if you play a, uh, a Protean Raider and it was going to copy something because you attacked this turn, and I play uh, the Stroopwafel Stealer, then I'm going to get the Protean Raider. But I did not attack this turn, so it will not get to copy anything when it enters the battlefield. That's interesting. Um so uh, you're not creating a token. Oh yeah. Uh, so if I cast gather specimens, right? Uh, uh, don't right. mind me. I forget what cards do. That's okay. Um, Our Stroopwafel Stealer is new, and we're still getting used to him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, no Stroopwafels for you. Uh, all right. So it copies the base characteristics of the card, just like every other copy effect. It doesn't copy any other continuous effects that might be on that card. Um, it, all the so, all the normal copy yeah all stuff. the normal copy stuff applies to this uh, but you will get enters the battlefield triggers of the thing you're copying because it is entering the battlefield as a copy of that creature um, <clears throat> excuse me and it cannot copy something that manages to be entering this the battlefield at the same time as it so if you have an effect that puts more than one creature onto the battlefield at a time uh, you you cannot um, copy that copy that thing yeah. I dig it. All right. Uh, the next card that we're going to talk about is Polyraptor's Best Friend. I, I was thinking the same thing when I was looking uh, at it. Yes. Uh, the card is Reckless Rage. Actually, like Pyrohemia or something like that, but uh, we're talking about the same set. So Reckless Rage is for one red. It is an instant that says Reckless Rage deals four damage to target creature you don't control and two damage to target Polyraptor. I mean, two damage to target <laughs> creature you do control. Um, now, in order to cast Reckless Rage, you actually need both targets. So you are going to need a creature uh, you don't control and a creature that you do control. So if you don't have anybody on the battlefield on your side, this card's going to be stuck in your hand. Um, however, once you cast it and something happens to one of those creatures, uh, damage is still going to happen to the other one. So uh, if you somehow sacrifice your creature... Um, uh, the Reckless Rage is still going to deal 4 damage to the creature that you don't control. As long as it, there is still one legal target, it will still resolve as much as possible. Yep. And if both creatures are gone, well, then nobody's taking any damage. There's going to be a lot of interesting stuff around this card. There, there, There's a lot more play with this card than I think is immediately apparent, um, because you can do stuff where uh, I deal 4 damage to your creature that is attacking to kill it, and then I deal 2 damage to my little blocker uh because it was going to die anyway, and this way you don't get your enrage triggers. Um, so there, there, there are going to be lots of little ways you could play this card uh, that aren't immediately obvious. I look forward to playing this card in uh, in limited. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a very good card. Yeah, this is, and it only costs one mana. This card is sweet. Yep, I agree. Are you? It's rekindling my enjoyment of red cards. Ooh, what's up? Uh, we've got rekindling phoenix here. It is a 4-3 for 2 red-red, and as you might guess, it is a phoenix, and thus has flying. Uh, it says, when rekindling phoenix dies, create an 0-1 red elemental creature token with, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature, and return target card named rekindling phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste until end of turn. Alright. Uh, <laughs> this is a little mind-bending, isn't it? It's it's a it's a neat card. It's basically like it, it goes into its little phoenix egg and then comes back. Uh, so if you uh, normally when a card refers to its own name, uh, it means like this 
object. Uh, but in this case, the token is is referring to rekindling Phoenix. It's not like it's re- returning its own self as a token. Uh, so mm-hmm. if something copies rekindling Phoenix, then dies, the tokens aren't going to be able to find it uh, because it's not, right. it's not trying lame. to find that card. <laughs> Did she say lame? No, I said that's right. It's, oh, it's, okay. well, I, was th- I was actually thinking about how they could still find other cards named Rekindling Phoenix because yes. obviously you had to copy one at some point. Mm-hmm. So that could that could work. Right. But, yeah, this is interesting. Um, so yeah, the, the the target on the from the elemental, if it, if it, if it was if it came from a token or if it came from a copy, it can't find the thing that it copied. It can find a phoenix. I know that seems weird, but I think it's pretty intuitive once you explain it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do not have a rekindling phoenix in your graveyard to target, uh, our token's ability can't resolve. It will be removed from the stack, and you do not sacrifice it. So it chills out, being a little bird egg, until mm-hmm. it, ho- it hopefully finds a bird to become. Uh, that's also true if... Uh if you do have a rekindling Phoenix to target, but the target is removed before the ability resolves. Like, so if it, if it gets exiled or some such. Yeah. So if somebody, if somebody exiles it, uh, in response to the triggered ability to try and stop it, then you don't get to sacrifice it. Cause again, it, the, the ability will, um, will be countered on resolution because it has an illegal target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that card's neat. I think it's a slightly more, it's a cuter way to approach, the Phoenix abilities, like of them coming back, yeah. that, than just, hey, I come back. Yeah, also it's kind of a cute, like, owl Phoenix. I love it. Yeah, it's re- I, I think the art on that card is really, really pretty. pretty baller. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Who did the art on this card? I can't can't see that very well. Let's right, I'll, look, I'll look it up. Jason Rainsfield or? Uh, Somebody. All right. So the next card is Slaughter the Strong, which is surprisingly a white card. Uh, that, that name sounds like something I'd expect on a black card, but it costs one white-white. It's a sorcery. It says each player chooses any number of creatures he or she controls with total power four or less, then sacrifices all other creatures he or she controls. Uh, so these choices are made in turn order. The player whose turn it is, which is usually the controller of Slaughter the Strong, uh, will get to make their choices first, and then their opponent will get to know those choices before they make their choices, and then all of the sacrifices will happen at the same time. Yep. Cool. Uh, killer. All right. What's up? None. Uh, temple. Uh, the next card is Temple Altasaur. Uh, Altus. Yeah, Altasaur. Uh, it is four and a white for a three-four dinosaur. Uh, it is not a dinosaur. It is a full-fledged. Altasaur. Uh, I like saying that word. Uh, if a source would deal damage to another dinosaur, you control prevent all but one of that damage. Um, so combat damage is still assigned as normal. It's just all that one gets prevented. So if I were to, say, have a 10-10 trample uh, attack, and then I block with, since this would be another dinosaur, I block with a uh, 5-5 dinosaur, then you know, that 10 10 trample, we're going to say it assigns five to the dinosaur, and the, the other five is going to trample over to the player. But then that five five dinosaur, that five damage to it is going to be reduced down to one. Right. You still um, assign the proper damage, it right. just gets prevented. Right. Uh, the other thing is if you have two temple altosaurs, uh, they will uh, protect themselves, but they will not uh, reduce the damage that is prevented down to more than the one. 
do, so you're if you're trying to prevent all of the damage yeah 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 that yeah. doesn't no matter how many temple ultasaurs you have you will only reduce that damage you will only prevent all but one of that damage so you okay. can't say like you can't say well well i'm gonna break it up the damage up so that some of it you know that's there's no way that works right all right this the next card is a is a doozy yeah broken. i get i get the the final elderist dinosaur it is a uh, zakama primal calamity this card has so much stuff on it in it in is, the, it in the, the sense of thing. in the sense of abilities and art uh it is a 9946 red green white it is again an elder, a legendary creature elder dinosaur uh in the realm of abilities it has vigilance reach and trample goodness gracious uh when it enters the battlefield if you cast it untap all lands you control i have already seen players trying to break it and having to get reminded that it only counts if you cast it uh and they were very sad about it uh i need to make this card bigger so i can read the rest of it uh uh all right it it also has activated abilities uh one is uh two in red uh, as a comma deals three dam three damage to target creature uh, two and uh, green, uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment, and two and white, you gain three life. That's uh, that's Oof. our friend Zakama here. No, this card is is flavorfully neat because it's three colors and it's got three heads and it has three abilities and three different abilities. It's it's neat. Um, as far as the triggered ability uh, for untapping your lands. Uh, you do have to cast it, but it does not matter where you cast it from. So if you cast it from your graveyard or exile or from the command zone, for example. What? The command zone? Yeah, there are definitely some infinite mana combos in commander with this very easily. Yeah. Uh, so that's really neat. Um, it, you yeah, so can, go ahead. I was going to say the, the, the last point, just in, in case it's not clear. So you can attack with your 9-9 trample, and if they attack with or they block with, we'll say, a 4-4. A four, four. Yep. Uh, you can ping, or not ping, but you can spend the 2 in the red to deal the 3 damage to that 4-4. Four, four. So now it's got 3 damage marked on it. It only needs 1 more for lethal damage. You hit it for 1, the 8 remaining damage just tramples on over. Bah. Yeah, you can you can make your ridiculously huge trampoly friend even better by... By pinging the things that you need to trample over. This this art on the art on this card's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I I I don't know what else needs like what else to say about this thing. It's it's big, it's pretty looking, it's got a lot of cool abilities. I am sure somebody has already found a way to do something r- ridiculous with it in in Commander. I, I did while you were talking. I, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> what would you come up what with? You, thing? What'd you come up with? Well, you, all you, Uh-oh. what's up? All you need is a uh, uh, a way to sacrifice this, uh, which isn't that hard to come up with, um, and it can even cost mana. It doesn't matter. You you and then you need just like enchantments on your lands that make more mana to ramp you up, and then you cast this and untap all your lands uh-huh. sacrifice it it goes to the command zone you cast it and untap all your lands and as long as you have more than nine mana you're making every time you do this you have infinite mana uh well no the commander, the commander tax, commander tax. uh oh right 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 yep you can tell i play that game <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So I mean, if you if you can keep See? making steadily more and more mana, then you go from there. But yeah, commander tax does hinder that a little bit. Yeah. So there there are ways to do this without requiring you. There are ways to do this. You have to loop some clones and stuff, and it's really awkward. But like, uh, it's possible, but it, it's obnoxious. <laughs> we'll leave that as a as an exercise for the interested listener. Well, yeah, tell us what how you want to break this ridiculous dinosaur. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, anything that returns it to your hand also works. Like, actually, actually works just fine. So yeah. Um, but how are you? Uh, what are you gonna bounce it with? With red, green, and white mana in commander. Uh, I'm, I am sure that there must be there must be a white card Surely. that bounces people's that lets you bounce something to your hand. Uh, there's a like um, there's a uh, erratic portal. I think doesn't that uh, lets you bounce a creature to your hand unless you the, its controller pays one. I mean it taps, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I th- I'll think about it. Uh, you think about it. Send us an email. Um, yeah, you think send, about, send it. I email think about it. You think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com. You're the one that's interested uh, in it, listener. You figure it out. Or you can uh, you can send us a message on Facebook. Well, not a message, but post on our page on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash judgecast or find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Um, and if you if you send us a, a communication of some kind at one of, those, one of those places, then we will respond. Uh, but if you send us uh, a method that this works, I will be extremely happy and I will enjoy it. Uh, that's this kind of thing. That kind of, of magic really excites me. I, I love like weird combo-y stuff like that. Oh yeah, if you so, if you find a way to break it, uh, if you find me at a GP, I will give you one crisp high five. A crisp high, a crisp five. high five? Yes. One crisp high I'm, five. Oh, now I'm motivated. <laughs> um, Alright, so... Uh, does anybody else have anything else they'd like to add uh, to all of the cards that we have talked about at uh, uh, on this episode? Uh, only Dinosaurda. Only Dinosaurda. Only all right. Chupacabra. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> all right. I'd like to thank everybody li- for listening to this episode. Um, my name is Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep my friends close, but my Stroop Waffles closer. I just realized, sorry to to keep us back on a send for a second, but Stormfleet Swashbuckler, the flavor text yes. on that card is a song. I just realized it rhymes. Yeah, it it's is. It's a pirate song. A blade to the neck. A bolt to the eye, a blade to the neck. That's the way to clear the deck. I love your pirate song, Jess. <laughs> that, is, that makes me very happy. <laughs> I just like... Just envisioned I was the guy from Spongebob. Okay, that's all I did there.